Preaching and teaching the Word of God is not a celebrity-driven, one-man show. In this episode of The 10-Minute Teacher, I examine the Bible to show how cultural trends in preaching are hindering the church's true call to proclaim the gospel. Preaching culturally today for most places is really a one-man act. And here we have the example of Mark Driscoll. I could pick any other number of people. But this quote is excellent because it speaks directly to his philosophy of developing other preachers and pastors. He says, this doesn't mean you need to have team preaching or team teaching. I would actually discourage such things. You should train other preachers, but there should be a primary communicator, a senior leader who leads the mission from the pulpit. So in his worldview, in his reading of the Bible, he says that there needs to only be one man who stands in front, and that one man has to be the focus and center of attention. And only when that one man is the focus and center of the attention can the church fulfill its mission. And so, again, he represents, I think, a large percentage of American pastors uh, and pastors in the West in general who have this view uh, that preaching is a one-man show. So if I were going to illustrate that, we might look at this cartoon of a boat commander, where it's the guy up there standing, in this case with the whip, or the bullhorn, or the drum, or whatever he's beating out, and everyone else is just rowing along to the beat that he sets, and everyone else is just following his command and following his lead. Or maybe in a more modern context, we see preacher as a solo explorer, because all the people have been replaced by technology, and we can do this through video venues, and we can do all kinds of creative things with how we proclaim the gospel, but in truth, it's still the same solo act. We become this solo explorer just spewing out messages of truth or fact or theology that we just assume others should take because of popularity or power or skill in speech. But cultural change is coming. In this article from the Washington Post in 2004, it talks about this idea of preaching by committee. And the article says this, Many worshipers see it as the loneliest part of a minister's job. That is, crafting a sermon alone in the wee hours that only aids a Bible and some reference books before presenting the fully formed product to the congregation the next day. But increasingly, that view of sermon writing is outdated. At a growing number of churches, the pastor's message is the painstaking work of a committee. A panel of church staff and congregants who meet weekly to suggest sermon topics, critique the minister's prose, and examine how his or her preaching will mesh with other elements of the service. So here we see a new cultural trend, and if I were going to do another sports analogy, we could look at baseball, where preaching is seen as a strong rotation. You have multiple people who can pitch in the game, and some are the openers and some are the closers, but they each have a different role and a different function. And so a lot of times we see preaching as this. There's the main pitcher, the opening pitcher, there's the star pitcher, but then there's the closer or the relief pitcher. We see pastors in this role of providing a strong rotation from the pulpit. Or with this new cultural trend, some people might see preaching as a basketball analogy, where you're presenting a strong court, where it's five gifted and talented people equally sharing this mission and purpose of proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're all on the court at the same time, but you have still different talents and functions as part of that team. So whether your model is the one-man act or the team approach, these are all cultural trends. So what I want to do now is take a look at a biblical paradigm for gospel proclamation. And the first thing we can look at is the character of Christ himself and what he modeled for us and what we should expect of all of our preachers and teachers. In Matthew 6, Jesus gives this instruction to his disciples. Watch out. Don't do your good deeds publicly to be admired by others, for you will lose the reward from your Father in heaven. 
When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who love to pray publicly on street corners in the synagogues where everyone can see them. Don't store up treasures here on earth where moths eat them and rust destroys them and where thieves break in and steal. Store your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Wherever your treasure is, there the desires of your heart will be also. And so Jesus modeled this kind of servant leadership to his disciples, and he asked them in all the areas of their life. And he gives some specific examples here, but these extend to the ministry of the preacher and the teacher of God's Word. That yes, we have a public ministry, but it's not to be for the edification of self. It's not so that we store up credit for ourselves. It's so that we can humbly serve and point people to Jesus Christ. In Matthew 20, Jesus goes on to teach his disciples by saying, You know that there are rulers in this world who lord it over their people, and officials who flaunt their authority over those under them. But among you it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. Again, Christ is the model for the pastor, teacher, and preacher. It is not a ministry of self-glorification. It is not a ministry where the pastor says, I have authority and I can tell others what to do and I command authority because of my position. No, that's not the ministry of one who is called to preach and teach the Word of God. It's that we do so with humility and we lay down our lives in service as Christ is our model. We see the life of Jesus carried out then in spirit-gifted teams. In Ephesians 4, we have this teaching from Paul. It says, He who descended, that is Jesus, is the one who also ascended far above all the heavens, that he might fill all things. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the shepherds, and teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry for building up the body of Christ. And notice this, each one of these is plural. There is not one apostle, one prophet, one evangelist, one shepherd, or one teacher. There is a plurality of these men and women who are gifted by the Spirit of God to build up the body of Christ. And I know some will make an excuse that it says, well, that's, there's a plurality, but just in my church, there's only one. And I think that that misses the entire point of being gifted by God's Spirit. It's so that He can equip us as a people to point toward Jesus because there is only one head. There is only one ruler. There is only one king over the church and that is Jesus Christ. The rest of us are his servants working together again to point towards Jesus Christ and to build up one another. And then in Acts 13 we see how this was lived out in the early church in their church planting mission. We read now there were in the church at Antioch prophets and teachers. And now we list some names. Barnabas, Simeon, who's called Niger, Lucius of Cyrene, Manin, a member of the court of Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. While they were worshiping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. When they arrived in Salamis, they proclaimed the word of God. So notice this connection here. We have prophets and teachers. And then we have a list and it goes to Barnabas and Saul. And what's important to read here is that there is a connection between teams of people with a diversity of gifts, prophets and teachers being put together. Now we only have the names of Barnabas and Saul, but we also realize that they were not the only ones sent out on these teams. So we have Barnabas, a prophet, and Saul, a teacher. But it took both of them working together to proclaim the word of God. It was not Saul who was a solo teacher or preacher. He was not the guy running the show. He was not the guy standing up saying, it's my vision, it's my way or the highway. 
he worked with a group of people, and together they were called by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the Word of God. And yes, they ran into conflicts, and there was divisions in those teams, but that was the flesh at work. Initially, it was the Spirit of God who called them in unity and as a team to proclaim together the Word of God. And that's what we see lived out in the life of the church and what Paul taught. First Timothy 5.17, Paul instructs Timothy, he says, Elders who do their work well should be respected and paid well, especially those who work hard at both preaching and teaching. Again, plurality, elders, when they, multiple, many people work at preaching and teaching. That is the key to understanding the New Testament paradigm for what it means to proclaim the gospel. It is a community of people working together to teach and preach in accordance with the giftings they've been given by God's Spirit. That's all for this episode of The 10 Minute Teacher. I pray you have a deeper understanding and a growing passion to teach and preach as part of a spirit-gifted team.